It is Monday, so you know, assuming uh, we actually weren't batshit crazy busy over the weekend, it's time for another Fight Talk podcast. We're talking about the final fight night of the year. Uh, John Mosley here, as always, with the man with himself, Steven Jensen, man. What's up, dog? You know, just ready to talk about some more fights and, you know, had a good weekend, uh, watched some good fights, watched some really good wrestling. Unfortunately, my Vikings lost again this week, uh, and it came down to another, another basically the last play of the game, a Hail Mary that we almost actually wound up uh, converting. But anyways, uh, yeah, the good weekend, good wrestling, and like I said, good MMA, all that good stuff. So uh, yeah, good day. How about you, man? Yeah, busy. The last It was the last wrestling weekend of the year for me. Knocked out a couple shows. Um, got to hang out with Jordan Oliver. It was fucking cool. Uh, it was good, man. It was, a, it was a good way to go out the year. I know everybody's all festive. It's excellent. You're in the midst of celebrating um, Hanukkah. So, I mean, is, it, is there a better time of the year? No, man, this is, a, this is a great time of year. And yeah, Hanukkah, I, get, I think is over now after, I think it's been like two days since Hanukkah ended. And it was a good, uh, it was a good Hanukkah. The only problem right now is okay. some of the, 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 the gifts, some of the gifts that I ordered, I still haven't even come oh. in. Like, and USPS is just, I mean, I'm not blaming their employees. I think they're just, that I think they're just super overwhelmed right now. There's probably oh, yeah. yeah, there's there's I think there's three items that I ordered at the beginning of December, like within the first week of December that just still haven't shown up. And mm. you know, and I'm not the only one, like so you know, it just is what it is with that stuff. But outside of that, like I think that uh it was good. And then we also do some stuff uh for Christmas with with my uh, my dad and my stepmom, so I'll be going over there on Christmas Eve. We have a little tradition that we do, and then uh, I'll go over there Christmas Day and do like prime rib and stuff. So oh. and the Viking and the Vikings play on Christmas Day, so that'll be fun. They play the Saints, so um, so yeah. So I mean, I'm looking forward to Christmas. I'm gonna probably take a couple days off work at the end of the week and just chill out with my family. So, uh, hear, so man. yeah. Yeah. yeah, got any got any plans for uh for the holidays this uh this week? Kind of the same as you, man. Uh, we do a little stuff with my family, uh, do some stuff with the in laws. Um, it's always uh, it's always kind of hectic, but this year it's kind of not. Everyone like my mom is super, you know, wants every family function to be a blowout, but uh, I she's taking you know really really taking COVID right now is very serious, which is a good thing, I guess. So she's like told the family, no, like we're not doing any, any get together here. Um, so it makes it easy, kind of like easy peasy for me, man. I get to get to kind of hang with my folks and then we'll go hang with her folks. And, uh, and that'll be that, man. It'll be good though. Always good to have, uh, always good to have your team play on Christmas day, man. I think we, the Titans beat the Cowboys to death one year. It was like Christmas Eve, I think. And that's that's uh that's like an extra special Santa fucking gift, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, ho- I'm hoping we get that cuz even that'd though be the big, Vikings dude, the Saints are good, so that'd be a good win. It would. Even though the Vikings are I think now it's like statistically like 
they can only make the play. They're only like a four or five percent chance that they can make the playoffs. They need a lot. They need a lot of help at this point. Yesterday was crucial, but uh, but the good thing about this still is I hate the New Orleans Saints and right. the Vi- Yeah, the Vikings. We do not have a good history with them, and yeah, it would be even though even if we don't make the playoffs, it would still feel really good to beat them on Christmas, especially because so many people are going to be watching that game. So, there's small victories. That's what we got. The things I got to look forward to right now. Mm-hmm. With the Vikings are that that matchup, but you know, like it'd be nice to see uh, the Vikings put the beat down on the on the Saints on Christmas, but like they have a really good team and it's a really good young team, and like I hate that they're probably not going to make the playoffs this year, but if their team stays healthy, they're going to be really good next year. Like, and I, so there's a there's a lot. There's some there's a few little holes that they need to fill as far as like some stuff on the offensive line. Gotta get a new kicker, you know, stuff like that. But man, like they I am really optimistic with like the talent that they have right now about their future. So I am happy about that. Yeah, a lot of a lot of close losses, man. It's a thing those are usually the teams that you hear that the year after, you know, you lose a lot of close games, you learn from it the next year, you're winning those close games and um I'm, I'm with you. That's, a, that's not a bad roster at all. One of the best running backs in the league. I'm a big uh, Justin Jefferson guy. So, uh, yeah, man, I'd love to see them beat the Saints and then you all come back next year um, with a little bit of uh, a little bit of spunk to you. Hell, yeah. School Vikings. I'm with you, man. I'm with it. Uh, shout out the Titans. They beat the fucking Lions. But um, it's, they should have. So not much to say there. <laughs> I'm always um, happy with that. Fucking... Okay. <laughs> Yeah, for you, yeah, yeah. Same, or the yeah. Vikings, obviously, and the Lions lose. Lions lose. Yeah, no, so that, yeah that, that's a good smile over there. Um, good shit, man. Yeah, well, we are obviously here to talk about the last card of the year going out 2020 with UFC Fight Night Thompson versus Neil slash Fight Night 183 slash UFC on ESPN Plus 41 already. That's crazy. And... UFC Vegas 17, whatever you like to call it, it happened. Main evented Wonder Boy, Stephen Thompson, Jeff Neal goes to decision. Stephen 50 45 across the uh, the three judges there. Um, just solid performance by Wonder Boy that puts him at two in a row now. Yeah, really good win. I mean, went out there, basically point fighted him point fighted point fought i'm not sure exactly the right way of saying that he's he's a point he's a karate point style fighter so it's like anyway i i thought i thought it was a smart game plan uh the major thing about stephen thompson that makes him as good as he is is his footwork is incredible and the, the way he's able to avoid uh getting hit with big shots very impressive Obviously, we've seen what happens when he gets hit with those yes. shots. Like, we were both there for the Anthony Pettis knockout in Nashville, um, which was, you know, that was a brutal KO, uh, Anthony Pettis to Wonder Boy. And then also, of course, you know, he didn't get finished by um, by Woodley, but he did, you know, he did get dropped a few times. So, that all being said, Stephen Thompson did a great job of avoiding the big shot, the big strikes of Neil. Neil was uh, really trying to unload heavy shots uh, the entire fight, 
And he fought a good fight as well. Like, this was a good matchup. Uh, Jeff Neal, it's not like Jeff Neal went out there and got his ass kicked. Uh, I definitely agree that Stephen Thompson won all five of the rounds. But Neal looked like he belonged in there. He just isn't... Um, I mean, th- there's no shame in saying this. I just think that Thompson's just a better fighter. Like, he's just an overall better fighter right now. And there's no shame in that. Jeff Neal's still, um, you know, top 10 guy in the division for sure. And... Uh, and yeah, it was an impressive win for Wonderboy. It showed that Wonderboy is still very much a contender of welterweight. He absolutely is. He uh, smooth. He said it point fighter. It's kind of what I expected if 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 Thompson was going to win, and he did. Man, he, he again I had it the same way. All, all five rounds for, for Wonderboy. Um, not a, a terrible performance by any means for Jeff Neal. You still got to fight off in the COVID, uh, which I, we bring it up. I think every show, I think Dana White is going to keep that in mind um, with all these crazy cuts. I know we are losing some of the, the vets, but, you know, fighting, saying yes uh, in these weird circumstances, I think is always a, a, a smart business move. And, you know, you're out there in your main event. He, you know, he learned something from this in there with Wonder Boy, but, um, this was also a performance of the night. Uh, so, so Wonder Boy, who, you know, those losses still stick with me. The the KO that you mentioned, the Showtime, the the decision loss to Darren Till, but two in a row now. Uh, the the win over Vicente Luque back in November was a fight of the night. So, two performances back to back. You're getting bonuses if you're Wonder Boy. What uh, what do you think? It, I mean, he's still he's he, it's crazy that he's you know 37. I had if you'd quiz me. I would have undershot that. I just said Wonder Boy is probably like 33, 34. Um, so where do you think, like, wh- what should we expect in 2021 out of Stephen Thompson? It's a good question. Like, uh, first of all, I do want to mention, like, the Darren Till loss, totally legitimate, but that was a close fight. Like, a lot of it people was. thought, yeah, like, a lot of people thought Wonder Boy won that fight. I mean, so that that one could have gone either way. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, the Anthony Pettis loss, that was a straight-up knockout. And uh, and then, of course, you know, he, he does have the loss to Tyron Woodley, but he didn't yep. have the draw with him, too. Like, he was damn close to being the welterweight champion at that point. So, yeah, I mean, as far as as far as what's next, like, honestly, what I'd really like to see from Stephen Thompson going forward. Um, and I was really thinking about this a lot at the end of like the last round against Neil where Wonder Boy had this, like, hematoma over his knee. Um, it's, like, big, like, I don't even know how to just, I, I don't know, I, I guess it was a hematoma, or I don't know if there was something broken in there. I haven't really looked uh, to follow up on it, but uh, he his, his, his leg looked pretty hurt. And when I was watching that, and, you know, watching Thompson, like, bounce around, like, he still looked fine, and he still wound up winning the round and everything, and obviously won the fight, but I was just thinking, like, man, how awesome of a fighter would Steven Thompson be if he had, like, some decent wrestling? Because then, because I don't, I don't feel like Jeff Neal is, like, much of a wrestler. I don't really know for sure, because I've really just seen him mainly stand and bang with people, but... You'd like with Stephen Thompson's skill set, like with how good he is about not getting hit and how good he is about, you know, getting his strikes in when he gets opportunities and and piecing people up how he does. If he could mix in some takedowns, he'd he'd fight pretty similar to someone like GSP, like when GSP was the champion. Um, Some people consider that style to be kind of boring, but 
you know, if you get in some trouble on the feet, having that option of switching to the takedown, like I feel like Steven Thompson could be really successful with that. But uh, as far as like a next opponent, you know, he called out Masvidal after this. Um, he has a win over him. So, you know, Masvidal tweeted out something like uh, 2021 unfinished business right after the fight. And don't know if he was talking about Wonder Boy. Maybe he was still talking about Connor. I, I don't know what's up with Masvidal at the moment. But, you know, people call Stephen Thompson the NMF, the nicest motherfucker. He has a <laughs> he has a uh, his own belt that I think he was awarded on the Hawani show, if I remember correctly. And and, uh, you know, Masvidal's got that BMF and you can do BMF versus NMF. And I mean, as far as rankings go, they're going to be I mean, they're currently number four, number five, Masvidal four and uh, Thompson five. And it'll probably stay like that. Um, I mean, it totally makes sense from a rankings perspective. Uh, and Masvidal probably wants to get that win back if he, you know, if he can, I think it's a damn good matchup. So I, I would say, and if, and if not Masvidal, I, I'd say like, give someone like Michael Kiesa a shot. Like, oh, shit. you know, like I think Kiesa deserves a bump up in competition. He's looked really good. Um, I think he has potential to be a contender at welterweight. He's got a couple speed bumps, you know, he's hit a couple speed bumps, you know, throughout his career, but He's he has a really good similar to Charles Oliveira like he has a he has a skill set that can be really really dangerous especially when he gets on the ground with people, um, so you know I don't I would say that you know I would favor Thompson in that fight like if I was picking a winner between Thompson and Kiesa but if Kiesa got that kind of bump up in competition and could get a win that immediately that's you know that's a real new contender there at welterweight potentially so. Um, so yeah, for Thompson, that's what I would say. I'd say, uh, him and Masvidal would be my number one choice. Um, because Masvidal, you know, I'm, his loss to, uh, to Usman didn't really like, it didn't kill his momentum, but he's not going to get a, a welterweight title shot again anytime soon because Usman decisively beat him and Connor's going to be tied up with Poirier no one's really clamoring for a Nate rematch. Uh, I'd like to see Nick and Masvidal. Uh, if Nick's coming back this year, like that's something I'm definitely down for. That, that I guess that'd be the one thing I'd say. I'd rather see Masvidal fight Nick Diaz, I guess, than anyone. But but I, with the more realistic option would probably be to run back Wonder Boy and Masvidal. And if uh, and if you can't make that happen, I'd give Michael Chiesa a shot at Wonder Boy. Yeah, no, I'm in on that. I think I think the the money fight is the, the Masvidal, right? That that's there's something there. You've got something for both uh, both fans of uh, hardcore fans who want to see the rematch and the casuals. You you throw up the NMF, the BMF stuff like that's they're in. Like that's pro wrestling, dude. We're in on that. <laughs> um, before we get the next fight, we me and you talked about it a little bit. Uh, we found out so Jeff Neal. We knew that there was he had some. Um, the COVID had kind of messed with his cornermen and stuff like that. But like, we just found out according to some reports that, uh, and one of those being an Instagram post he made that he was dealing with congestion of heart failure going into this fight. And then he goes the distance with wonder boy. A it's crazy. If that is true that he fought and then B the fact that assuming it in, it is true he went that far. He went the distance. That kind of a fight—it's it, it, just all around uh, pretty crazy shit, bro. 
Yeah. So with that, did like was it ever detected, or is it him just saying that? Or that's what that's what kind of people are talking about now. Um, I don't know. I've not seen an official. You know, this is what happened, kind of thing. Um, but just more of like, hey, this is kind of what's been said. Like, and you know, you've got people jumping all over. Like, this is outrageous that it happened, and we don't even know all the way of when it was detected. Anything if it was by them. Um, you'd think though, if there was some kind of heart condition there, they it would have, it would have been picked up somewhere along the way. Yeah, I'm gonna actually I'm pulling this up right now. I got a headline says Jeff Neal reveals suffered from congestive heart failure um, and sep- sepsis. I'm not sure sepsis, exactly yeah. how that is. Um, in build up to Wonder Boy fight, um, so he's talking about it on Instagram and. It's him saying it. Uh, yeah, I'm. Let me see. I mean, I'm just reading through this real quick to see if there. I mean, yeah, I I don't. I mean, it's pretty convincing what I'm reading here. Like, I mean, I'm not. I'm definitely not calling him a liar by any stretch of the imagination. I just, I I I because I guess I have two schools of thought on it. Like, one, did Jeff Neal know going into the fight? And if he did, like, that's, like, it's badass that he fought, but it's also, like, he probably shouldn't have fought, like, if he he knew that that was going on. Um, The other way I'd also look at it is, like, there, because there's, there's no way the UFC could have, there was no way they would have cleared him. The commissions would have cleared him if, if the UFC or the commissions knew. So, so that's a little, a little, uh, concerning if because the ufc is obviously like always testing their fighters like i'm sure they're getting physicals often and obviously they're getting tested for covid and stuff all the time um i mean i guess they're maybe they're not being checked for like heart failure before every fight i guess it'd be i don't know i i I guess maybe they're not all getting like x-rayed before fights i guess that like that makes sense um I guess that's, I don't know. I guess they need to know more about kind of what happened because there's no way the UFC and the commissions could have possibly known. But what level are they checking up checking, on people? Because, yeah. like, you should, like, you should know if your fighter is dealing with that. But, but at the same time, like, I, I feel like you, because I don't know what, like, the requirement is before they sign the contract to fight. Like, I don't know if, like, because I assumed every time that they had to at least they have to at least pass a physical like of some kind, but that probably doesn't require them getting like x-rayed every time they fight or something. Cause that's really probably the only way you'd know if someone had like any kind of heart issue or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure like a stethoscope, like I'm sure certain doctors might be able to tell if like the heartbeat is off or something, there could be something going on. But I guess, I guess the other thing is like, how did he know? Like I, like how did Jeff Neal find out he had that? Cause like he, there's no way he could self-diagnose that. Right. So, like he he had to see some sort of doctor who told him that. So, and I hopefully it wasn't a UFC doctor. You know, that's where like it would be really really fishy. Is like, wait, the UFC told you that you have congestive heart failure, and then you went and fought. Like that that'd be a huge problem. So, I guess I need to know a little bit more about it. But if if that's the case, for one, that's a badass move, Jeff. Like, but. 
I'm glad you like didn't die out there because that's like, real. That sounds like a fucking giant risk. Um, but I mean, what what else can I really say? That's <laughs> very very risky, but pretty fucking badass that he that he went five rounds. If, if that is in fact what he was dealing with, it's true. If it's true, then yeah, that it would be a bold strategy. Cotton uh, ends up on the losing side, but again, badass fight, hell of a main event. Um, shout, again, shout out Jeff Neal and Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, Fifty G's to Wonderboy. Uh, performance of the night, co-main event action, Jose Aldo, Marlon Vera, and Aldo, you said it, man, last week. He, he We didn't know he needed this win, but looking at recent history and, uh, you know, coming in with these losses, all these L's piled up, Aldo needed this win. You called it. You said he'd get it uh, 29-28 across the board. Um, solid performance out of Aldo, bro. Yeah, and I waffled back and forth on my prediction. I think on Twitter I said Vera. I I this was a tough one for me to call. This was a really good matchup though. Um, Aldo looked very good. I think if I remember correctly, Vera I think won the first round, and I think Aldo won the second and third. I could be wrong about that, but th- this was a good fight. And, and there, this also might have been one where I, I might have to rewatch it, but I think that. Aldo, I think Aldo controlled Vera on the ground most of one of the rounds. And, like, that could have been a 10-8 potentially, too. I, I, I could be confusing that with another fight. I apologize if I am. But I, from what I remember watching, Aldo definitely won that fight. Uh, and I, uh, I'm i happy for him. Like, he, like you said, he really needed that win. He's still a contender at Bantamweight. I mean, Marlon Vera came in with a lot of hype after beating Sugar Sean. And yeah, I mean, really good win for Aldo. And and then he called out uh, TJ Dillashaw after the fight. So, you know, that's a fight that I'd definitely be down to watch 100%. Dillashaw is going to be eligible, I think, next month to fight again. So we'll see. uh, I'll see how that all shakes out. Yeah, that'd be a hell of a way to come back. We know. It feels like I haven't seen Dillashaw fight in 10 years with, with how COVID and, and his, you know, everything he's got going on there. Um, I saw, yeah, I saw the, the, the post, uh, the post-match stuff. He wanted it. I thought the same thing, man. Like I, I don't love Dillashaw's attitude at time, but you know, that's a, that's a banging fight to come back to. That's a good fight for Aldo uh, and a solid performance. Cause I did, I, I, I thought there was a really good chance Aldo lost this fight, and he was another one of these guys we saw cut at the end of this year. Um, but that's not going to be the case after again a, a unanimous decision uh, win over Marlon Vera in the main or the semi-main, excuse me. Um, after three losses in a row, again, you know those are three bad bitches in uh, Volkanovski, <laughs> Marlon Moraes, and Peter Yan. But it's got to feel good to get back in the winning column for Aldo, who is you know. He just doesn't, you know, you look back the last five years and there are some L's, you know, Connor, Max, the ones I previously mentioned. But before that, man, this guy never lost. So it's been a weird, uh, a really weird last couple of years um, for, for Jose Aldo. Yeah, it has. And, you know, I mean, he really, I can't stress it enough. And you've done a good job of that. Like, he, he really needed this win. Like, I really think he, like, if he didn't win this fight, he would not uh, still be at the UFC as we talk right now, probably. So, and, but, but it's, it was such a pivotal win though, too, because it was against a good fighter. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, so it proves that although, and 
to be fair, like looking at his record, I'm going to pull that up real quick because so if you go back to the so Alexander Volkanovsky pieced him up pretty good. Yep. Um, Marlon Marias, I I think the Marias won that fight, but a lot I'd probably say the majority of fans thought Jose Aldo won, uh, especially to the point where you know Aldo wound up getting a title shot. Yep. In his next fight, even because even like Dana White basically considered it a win. So you have that, um, and then Pure Dion is just a I I how do I put this? I take I don't think Pure Dion loses to anybody um, right now at bantamweight outside of maybe Henry Cejudo if Cejudo were to come back. Like I think Jan's just the best guy in the division right now, and I've been on his hype train for like a few years now. Like I've been calling for this for a while. I think I wanted Jan to fight Cejudo so bad because I thought it was such an interesting matchup. And that all being said, like although got to the fifth round with him. It wasn't like he went out there and just got his ass kicked for like, he just got smoked. Like he had a pretty decent competitive fight with Jan and then Jan wound up running away with it. Cause he's just the younger, hungrier, just kind of better in his prime fighter right now. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's no shame in that. And then you beat Marlon Vera decisively. Like if, if that Marlon Marais fight goes one scorecard the other way, you know, we're not really, I feel like we're probably not even really having this conversation. And then also the the other losses, you know, basically his, the rest of his entire career um, was the Conor McGregor punch that he's, I mean, unfortunately, that's going to be probably what he's most remembered for. Um, and that's really sad considering what he accomplished. But that's just the un- unfortunate truth. And then he got, you know, destroyed by Max Holloway twice. Well, when Max Holloway was really hitting his prime, uh, but it can't be understated what he did before that and the names that he took out in like the 10 years or whatever it was that he was, you know, the WEC and UFC featherweight champion. Like, I mean, and, and the fact that he's still fighting at the level that he is heading into 2021, still being probably ranked in like the top five at, at Bantamweight and, uh, you know, between the top five and top 10, somewhere in there and just came off a big win. I mean, he's looking at the beginning of this year. He said that 2020 was going to be his last year, but he hasn't said anything about retirement and he's talking about his next fight and stuff. So I think 2021 could be a big year for Aldo, especially like I, I rarely ever root against a fighter, but TJ Dillashaw, like, yes. okay. <laughs> this, this guy takes every opportunity he can to talk about it even happened after the Aldo fight um after Aldo won and called him out he was like he tweeted something to the effect of yeah everyone's calling me out now because they know I'm the true champion still and it's like bro you got your ass kicked and cheated okay. like like shut up like and he and he after the fight with Cejudo all the excuses about I was going for a takedown and, and, and uh, all he was punching me in the back of the head and I'm still the real champion. I never lost that fight. He just, he just refuses to accept the fact that Henry Cejudo beat him. Just can't, just can't live with it. And, and then, and then he got caught cheating. Like he cheated in that fight and still got his ass kicked. 
and has now served a two-year suspension, and he's been talking about wanting an immediate title shot when he comes back and all this stuff. Dude, yeah, fuck off, dude. Like, you kidding me? I, I, I would... I hate to say it like this, but I would love to see him fight Jose Aldo at Jose Aldo's age right now. And Dillashaw, I'd have to probably favor in the fight. Like, I, I mean, based on what Dillashaw has done in his career and his age still and all this stuff, I think Dillashaw would have to be the favorite. But it would be nice to see a guy, just an absolute legend like Jose Aldo, who doesn't have any of this controversy, by the way, in this long right. ass, yeah, in this long ass career he's had. He's always stayed humble. He's been, he's like the King of Rio. Like that is still to this day. Like everybody, you know, anybody who's anybody respects the hell out of Jose Aldo. And like, I, it would, it would be like a big win for the MMA community to see Jose Aldo shut this guy up. Um, and, and it's also totally possible TJ Dillashaw goes in there and just works him. Cause he might just be a better fighter And that. And if he does that, good on TJ because then he's back in the mix for a title shot again. And so the point is it's kind of a win-win for everybody because if Aldo beats TJ, he's still definitely in the mix also. Um, and he can kind of get a big win for the MMA community. Who's like sick of listening to TJ Dillashaw talk about this stuff. And uh, on the flip side if TJ wins and beats Aldo, he won a big fight in his first fight back and could probably get a title shot in his next fight after that. So, um, so I, I guess that's a very long way of saying I would, I'd book that. I'd do Aldo versus G, uh, TJ Dillashaw next. From the chopping block, possibly to that's a, 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 a lot of ifs, but that's a big time fight, man. That's one that you're going to have a lot of eyes on. So, uh, what of a, a flip of the coin there for, for Aldo, man, uh, to, to, to end 2020 now feeling like there's a chance for him to have a, a really big fight uh, early on that first quarter of 2021. Uh, and whereas it could have easily been the last fight, maybe in that banner. So um, awesome stuff out of Aldo. I, I'm with you. I, I, I say book it, do it. It's good for everyone involved. And uh, there's, I mean, anyone putting their hands on TJ Dillashaw is going to make me like happy, but uh, someone like Aldo, that's just, you know, you've summed it up perfectly. So respected to be the one doing it would be sick, man. Um, shout out, shout out Jose Aldo again, man. Again, 34, bro. Like <laughs> that's insane. Wonder boy is older than Jose Aldo. And that's blowing my mind right now. Dude. Jose Aldo is like probably less than two years older than I am. And I was watching him fight when I was in high school. Yeah, I'm, yeah, dude, he's, I, I, I can remember as far back right now, Aldo in some form fighting, and again, he's not, not much older than me at all, it's pretty crazy shit, bro, so, absolute legend, uh, moving on to the welterweight division, I was excited for this fight, I didn't, this is one of those that I kind of, I'm not gonna say I was let down, I thought there's no way we're going to a decision, and of course, that meant we went to a decision, uh, Michelle Pereira beating Chaos Williams 29-28 across the board. Um, what did you think about, uh, again, two, you know, both with gifts, both you've seen pretty regularly during the COVIDs. Um, this was actually the third fight for Pereira. He ended up going 2-1 in 2020. And for Chaos, this was his third fight as well. He had had two knockouts. Uh, this year and then finishes with the decision loss. 
Um, what did you think of the fight, and where are you at on these two uh, these two fighters heading into next year? So the fight itself was close. I if I I I honestly think when I was watching live, I thought that Chaos won. Uh, but then you know all three judges having it for Pereira, maybe I was just looking at it wrong. I don't I don't know. But the the thing with Pereira is, in commentary, kind of bothers me when when he's fighting because. He does a whole lot of nothing a lot of right. the time. <laughs> like he's like moving in all these weird directions and throwing these weird strikes, but most of it isn't really landing. Right. And Chaos was throwing heavy. And he wasn't landing everything either, but I felt like he was doing more damage than Pereira was. Once again, I could be wrong. Uh, but I mean it was a close fight either way. It's not like I could be mad about the decision one way or another when he got 29-28s across the board, you know. That that's a close fight. Um, I mean, I going into the fight, I was thinking it was going to be like I can't remember the company. I think it was like Nos Energy Drinks or something <laughs> like that. But there was this commercial where this dude's like it's like they're in an MMA cage or a ring, and the dude's like doing all these flips and kicks and spinning shit, and then the other guy just punches him in the face once and knocks him out cold. I'm like. That's that's like kind of what I was expecting for this was like Pereira coming out doing backflips and and jumping jacks and all this shit and then fucking chaos I'm just gonna punch him square in the face. <laughs> all right, that's that. Um, but uh, but that's all we got. We wound, we wound up getting a a competitive three round fight and I think both guys were in good shape heading into twenty twenty one. I think that Michelle Pereira needed this win more than Chaos more. did because mm-hmm. Chaos coming into this fight had won his last two fights in the first round. And I think there was, they were talking about it on commentary that I think he had less than one minute of octagon time in his first two fights combined with, but because he knocked people out so quickly. So Yeah, no. Yeah. Big, uh, big time uh, on the social media is chaos Williams. Yes. Yeah. I remember like just a few weeks ago when he knocked the dude out with that straight, right. That looked like it wasn't even that heavy of a shot and put the dude, it, it was, a but was it all Hassan? I can't remember who, uh, I gotta double check that. I'm gonna look just so I don't shame anybody on acid. Yes, Al Hassan. There it is. Um, he he knocked Al Hassan out cold with that straight right, um, and that was just uh, November 14th, so about a month ago. So these are the kind of guys that me and you've been talking about all year. Like Chaos Williams, win or lose, and he did lose here, is still in great shape because he has fought throughout the COVID era. Um, he fought back in February what, before things really started getting bad, but February and November, uh, and then came back in December on, on short notice, uh, yep. to fight Pereira. I mean, these are the kind of guys UFC is looking for. And I bet you not to get too far into this, but I bet you chaos Williams doesn't cost them a whole lot of money. And the, that's kind of, I think going to be the future of the UFC for a short time is going to be, or the kind of the near future is going to be more and more of the veterans leaving the company or being cut or whatever the case is. Um, there's still going to be plenty of them around, but we're going to see, I think, more an influx of the Chaos Williams type guys because they cost, I'm sure, a lot less money. And I mean, they can turn around and do these kind of fights, you know, you know, back to back months and stuff. And uh, 
anyway, I think Chaos Williams is just one of of the kind of new new breed that's you're going to be seeing more and more of in the UFC. And Michelle Pereira is kind of in that as well. I got to check his age because yeah, he's only 27. That's crazy. He looks fucking 40. He's <laughs> 27 years old. Um, With 36, uh, or excuse me, 38 fights at that at that age, bro. That's insane. I mean, and that's a, that's another guy. I mean, even though a lot of the stuff that he does is goofy and wacky and shit, a lot of it is entertaining. Like I was definitely on the hype train of wanting to see him sign with the UFC once I saw, like his he had those viral videos where he was literally doing lion salts off the cage onto people, and I was like. Holy shit! Like this guy's like out here really doing Chris Jericho moves. Like he was like like trying to swanton people and shit. I was like, okay, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, this guy is the best. So, <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm 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 for it. There was actually another fight on this show. It might have been the Aldo and Vera fight. I can't remember, but at one point someone had uh was going for a rear naked choke and they were on the feet like like in a backpack position. And all I could think of was going for a backpack stunner. I was like, why is no one ever using this move in MMA? Like, grab their fucking head and drop to your ass. Bring like, it down. Yeah. I mean, come on. So anyways, um, Pereira, same as Chaos. Like, only 27, new breed, probably doesn't cost them an arm and a leg. He's down to fight anyone. And he brings something different to the table. Like, win or lose, you know you're going to get at least some sort of flipping shit out of Pereira that's going to make people... Uh, pop or, or or boo or whatever. So, um, so yeah, both guys I think are in really good shape heading into next year. Yeah, I, I think you bring up a great point. We're seeing a lot of vets being cut. I think it is that wave of you're going to see a lot of a lot of fighters on like rookie contracts for the NFL where you're getting, you know, you're you're trying to put miles on them. You're trying to to really see where you're at in those three, two, three years. Um, and I, I, you know, you're, you're really not paying a ton. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're out on the money, man. We see a lot of that moving forward. I can't wait to see, uh, what we're saying about both these fighters, especially chaos Williams, um, at the end of next year, because again, two and one, both wins were quick knockouts, close fight here. I'm with you. And the fact that it was as close as it was, uh, I, I'm all for, um, I'm all for chaos coming back with a pretty good, Pretty good matchup as soon as we can get him back in there. Uh, moving on, man. These next two are the ones I was most excited to talk about. Bantamweight division. First round finish by Rob Font over Marlon Moraes. Got the TKO. Dude, I I wasn't able to watch this live. I had to watch it um, yesterday. And I had knew how this finished. I hadn't seen it. And still seeing it, man, I was, I was just wowed. Yeah, I mean... There's no other way to put it. Rob Font beat the shit out of Mom Marias. Straight up. Like, like, I mean, that was impressive as hell. Um, Marias, I I don't know if we'll be seeing him in the UFC anymore. You know what I mean? Um, he had a title shot against Henry Cejudo. I was there live for that, actually. It was a good matchup, but, I mean, Cejudo wound up uh, knocking him out in the, uh, in the third round. Now, you know, he got destroyed by Corey Sanhagen, who's who's definitely a contender. Like, it's, there's no shame. And same with Rob Font, definitely a contender, too. But if you're uh, Mom Marias, if he if he wouldn't have won the Aldo fight, like we had talked about earlier, yeah. he'd be on a four-fight four losing streak. And I, my, my comparison is, is a lot of the time going to be 
if they're willing to cut Yoel Romero, you know, like I, he's in the same kind of position. Like he had fought for the title recently, had more losses than wins recently, was probably cost them a lot of money. Same with Marias and, and uh, Romero being the example, like probably both cost a lot of money and, uh, and not going to be the champion anytime soon. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That was, I, I'd be kind of worried right now if I was Mariah. I shouldn't say worried because, like, he well, if he wants to keep fighting Bellator or one or, or someone, well, for sure, sign him. But, um, but yeah, I mean, but all that being said, Rob Font is looking great. That's his third win in a row. He beat Sergio Pettis, Ricky Simone, and Marlon Rice now back to back to back. He's looking great. His his last loss was to a Sun Sao, who's always one of the top guys in the division. Like, I mean, th- this was this was super impressive for Rob Font. Really, really, really big win for him in, in, in devastating fashion. Just destroyed him. 33 years old. Third win in a row now for Font. But that is his first finish since uh, he beat, he finished Thomas Almeida back in February of 2018. Dude, yeah, you said it perfectly. I, I think um, how. How, how quickly for, for Marlon Moraes, it's not that long ago, you're about to fight Cejudo for the title, and here we are now. You know, each loss you mentioned was quicker than the previous. Third round loss, uh, finish loss to Cejudo. Second round to Sanhagen, and then, then first round to Font, man. You're, you're, you're getting beat quicker. Um, admittedly, though, those are three hella combatants, but um, that, that, was, that, was a, that was an ass whooping. That was a open up a can of Wolfass by Rob Font, and he doused Marlon Moraes in it. Uh, I, I, I think for me, this was another performance of the night, so 50K to, to Font. This stood out to me so much on this card. With uh, There were a lot of decisions, but um, I didn't expect this. I thought we were going to see a really good performance by Moraes. I like Font, but this uh, has me absolutely on the, like, let's see, like, let's give Rob Font, like, a fucking big boy fight next, because this has him... He'll definitely be, you know, he's he's due a top five opponent. You know what I mean? Ranked opponent at this point, four or five, and let's see where he's at. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, Marias was three, and he destroyed him. He destroyed so, him. So yeah, give me fucking. I forgot Marias was that. I thought after that last one, he was like like top ten, like seven, eight. So yeah, I totally forgot he was three. Yeah, so I I would say like I mean Font's gonna take his position probably in the rankings or or be close. Yeah, but, you so, have to. <laughs> Yeah, the the one the one why well, he'll definitely be ranked above uh, Marais. I just don't know if he'll be ranked th- number three. I don't know if they'll like move. Uh, it depends on how they move people. Like they might move Edgar or Munoz ahead of him or uh, Garbrandt. The thing with the Garbrandt's the real X factor right now in the division because you know he's supposed to go to flyweight, but now I don't know if you. I mean, everyone wants that, to see. Yeah. I mean, everyone yeah. wants to see Brandon Marino and and Fig run it back. That's right. So. Uh, what I honestly, what I would do is I would do, um, I'd say, sorry, Cody, like we're running back Marino and uh, Figueredo, and I would do uh, Font and Garbrandt. I think that'd be a fucking banger of a fight. And and the, the, and the one thing that saves Marlon Rice, I will say, like if, if there's anything there to save him outside of what you've mentioned, like he, his, the losses he's had are to the best of the best. But he does have that head kick knockout win over Aljamain Sterling, who's going to be fighting for the title soon. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, that does, I don't know if that necessarily saves his job in the UFC, but that's at least something that they could be looking at and being like, yeah, he's lost pretty badly recently, but it's been good people. And if Al Jermaine winds up, winds up winning the title from Yon, and, you know, if Marias gets a couple wins, then, like, you could sell that rematch because Marias has beaten Sterling. So, like, Marias might not be as... I mean, I don't know. He, I think he's still on the bubble, but at least he does have that. And, and like I said before, I do... I do Font and Garbrandt. And, and if Garbrandt is going to go to flyweight still, I don't really know what you do with Font next. I mean... I mean, Aldo would be a good fight if they don't do him and TJ or uh, even Font and TJ would be good. I think he called out TJ also uh, last night. So I, I do something, but but Font's going to be ranked in. I, I'd say he's going to be ranked in the top five or six for sure, if if not three. I mean, probably three, four, five or six. Uh, the next time these rankings get updated. So. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's going to be big fights going forward for him in, in a division that needs uh, new contenders like this. So this is I mean, it's already a stacked weight class, but. The the young contenders list is like growing, which is which is awesome. No, yeah, I think you, you got to move move Cody back over here. There's too much going on in that division now with that we need that rematch with the title. So yeah, I'm just you've got me right now just wanting Rob Font and, and Cody Nola because I think that is just fireworks inside of a, more fireworks. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, and I I don't know where like. Sean O'Malley is going to factor into all this. Mm. Like I, yep. I know that obviously he lost to Marlon Vera, um, but I feel like we haven't heard his name like at all lately. O'Malley, no. like, uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back because I'd imagine he'll fight a guy like around the top fifteen again. But yeah, this kind of got me thinking about that too. I'm not saying like I, I don't think he's in the conversation of fighting Rob Font or anything like that right now, but I just it just had me thinking for a second, like, you know, we were basically talking about Sean O'Malley as being this type of guy. Like that next guy who was gonna like break through and be a, a a young contender. And now it's like we're seeing other people do it and like no one's really talking about the sugar show anymore, which is kind of interesting. Oh no! Yeah, it it quit. I mean, the the day after, like the night of that loss, you could see the tide turning uh, quickly on 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 O'Malley. But I think you're right. This next, I, you've got to do a big fight next. Uh, maybe he's taking some time off. Maybe he's. I, I keep up with him a little bit on social media and a lot. Um, so yeah, I think his next fight, no matter what, it's going to again draw eyes. So uh, he's almost a wild card, but. That's the the fight game, man. You're right. right. The the night of that fight, um, you know, everyone's kind of thinking, you know, if he if he gets through this, like he's kind of knocking at the door, and uh, here we are now um, asking ourselves, like, when are we going to see him fight again? Yeah, yeah. It's did you ever see O'Malley's interview with Rogan, like on the Rogan podcast a couple years ago, or like a year I or did. so ago? I did. Um, I thought one thing. My brother pointed this out, which I thought was pretty funny, like. Because O'Malley really plays into, like, and I think it's smart, by the way. Like, I've talked about how smart I think this is, but he really, he really, like, plays up to, like, the hype beast audience. 
like the you like the YouTubers and the he tried you know he does a lot of stuff on Twitch and he's like was really heavy into Fortnite when Fortnite was blowing up and has his own clothing line and um and all that stuff and he's really I feel like he's really trying to appeal to like Gen Z or whatever and um and once again I think that's very smart um and a big part of that is his persona about like how he it, it seems like he's like this big pothead like he, like if you were to go like smoke for smoke with Snoop Dogg, like, he'd be able to keep up. But then when I watched the thing with Rogan, and my brother is the one who actually said this, and it always stuck with me, my brother was like, this guy is talking like he smokes a bowl before he falls asleep sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, because the way he was talking, it was like, oh, no, man, like, I, you know, I always get all my work done first, and then sometimes I smoke a bowl to relax. And I'm like, your persona is like, that you're always burning blunts and stuff. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like, is this guy kind of a poser? Like he's got like, he's got face tats and like all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know about him. You know, I'm like, he just seems kind (laughs) of, he seems kind of like a poser, you know, like I hate to say it, but, but, and the reason I bring this up and there's a point for this, the reason, the reason I bring this up is because I think that's a, a big reason why the hype, for him has died out like it has because when he lost i think a lot of the p it isn't it isn't the necessarily the smokable at night sometimes thing it's it's kind of the, that whole persona when he lost i think like the all the, like a lot of that fan base like that gen z like hype beast fan base they saw him lose and then they were like there's like well where's the substance in this guy like you know like mm-hmm. he lost he lost now and then they start like really looking into it and it's like this guy, for being as famous as he is, you know, he's only rocking like 50 viewers at on Twitch when he's on there and like doesn't really seem to like really be smoking like he says he is and like kind of looks like a SoundCloud rapper. But like, you know, it's like it's just one of those things where I feel like the height, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't really know how to put my finger on what exactly what I'm trying to say other than. I, th- I think a lot of people are kind of seeing through that person because when he before the loss too, like he was going on YouTube and doing these videos where like he's in a throne and like these high production, like king of the world, like I'm the next world champion. And then uh, and then a lot of people watched him get beat down by Vera. And then it's like and then there's like nothing really to really still be much of a fan of when you realize like the rest of it's also kind of. Like he is kind of a hype beast. Like he isn't yeah. just appealing to the hype beast. He kind of is one. And it's yep. like, oh, I don't know if I'm really a, a huge fan of that. Actually, if he's especially if he's losing, you know. No, yeah, you can't be a hype beast and taking L's. Like that's the one thing. Or if you are taking them, you can't be do, taking the L's like in front of that hundreds of thousands of eyes and getting your ass kicked. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's it's basically what we said for Connor forever until we realized like, no, man, that's just a bad. He's going to fucking swing like how many fights in a row was it like, oh, man, he talks all this shit. It just takes one. And like even Khabib, right? He by the time he finally did get his ass kicked, it didn't matter. Like there's people right now that are saying like, oh, even Connor was I know it's part of his character. But this shit, like if you really break the, the, the rounds down, I'm like, motherfucker, you got your ass kicked. But you still have your audience out here willing to be like, I mean, did he though? Yeah, no, I saw it. He did, man. Habib beat the shit out of that boy. Um, but it doesn't matter because he had already like he had built this foundation of all this like living up to it. 
uh, Sugar Sean didn't make that yet, man. You can't, you can't uh, hype beast that have that float out that fast, man. You got to build and build and build. Um, and it is, it's, I think it's a perfect summation of why there has to be substance to you, man. Like you, you take that L and maybe if there's a little more to you, um, you haven't disappeared. Cause it's the fact, like since that loss, that dude has just straight up disappeared unless you're actively keeping up with him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I said, it's, it's like, I keep up with Twitch statistics pretty often just cause I'm interested in like the numbers and how many people are watching. Yeah. And like Sugar Sean, like very, I mean, in comparison, I shouldn't say like in comparison to large streamers, it's, it's the equivalent of nobody watching, but, but you know, he's as equivalent to smaller streamers. I mean, he, he's, he's still not really, it's, it's one of these things where you would think a guy that, that like was at kind of the level he was a, it seemed like he was heading towards that just like way more people would be interested in the stuff that he's doing. Like, because he was even before the loss, he was doing like limited drop merch, which once yep. again is a very, very hype beast type thing to do. Like, he put out like these, and from what I remember, most of his merchandise, you know, it's got like pot leaves all over it and stuff, which is like that's cool and all. But once again, once you listen to him talk about it, you're kind of like, I don't think this guy's really smoking like he's claiming he is. <laughs> like, I like I I just don't like and then and once again this doesn't really matter by the way anyone who's listening to this it's like what is Stephen care so much like about how much someone smokes I I really don't I don't care if you smoke weed or not I don't care what people I don't care what consenting adults do with their own lives in their own time at all but my my point is like when you've built the, it would it would be like if Snoop Dogg did everything like you built the career he's built to, the, to today and then like he was on the spot with a blunt in his hand and like hit it and just started like coughing and crying. And like, you know what I mean? Everyone would be like, wait a second. Like your whole thing is about this. And like, you're, what is it? It's a, uh, it's like, wait a minute. His hat comes right off. He's not a space cowboy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it just, it just seems, it just seems kind of poserish. I mean, I just don't know how else to put it. Um, this is another moment we can quickly shout out Snoop Dogg for ashing in the same boxing ring <laughs> that Mike Tyson and fucking Roy Jones fought in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that was so funny. Speaking of Snoop Dogg, that's too funny that like a couple weeks ago he had a, a collaboration where it was him and The Undertaker that <laughs> oh, I put, saw it. put out merchandise. And now Snoop Dogg is making an appearance for AEW like this week. It's like, oh man, that's too funny. Good for Snoop Dogg. He got AEW, WWE, and the uh, the Roy Jones, uh, Mike Tyson, and he does UFC fucking fight pass commentary and shit. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of his commentary personally, but I I respect I respect that he has what he's done for himself to to get in these positions. I mean, it is very impressive to be associated with so many major brands being him. You know. Uh, no, the, 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 one of my favorite moments, again, Snoop Dogg is in all of our lives. Uh, one of my favorite, like, little moments of 2020 was there was some random tweet where someone's like, it was around the fight, the, the fight uh, with, with Roy and, and Iron Mike, and uh, someone said, tweeted out, like, hey, how crazy, you know, Snoop Dogg has had this such a long career with no controversy, and fucking Schlack comments and says, 
<laughs> he beat a murder charge. He literally beat a murder yeah. charge. <laughs> and I fucking laughed for 30 minutes. Like, oh, the, just again, knowing Schlack. If you don't know Schlack, that's, that's But if you know who Schlack is, uh, him of all people was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That guy beat a murder <laughs> charge. Isn't It makes it even the funnier the fact that people have forgot that, like, Snoop Dogg in 94 and Snoop Dogg in 2020, that's an adult and, like, a crazy motherfucker, like, you know, wildin'. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of crazy to think, like, there's people who could be listening to this, depending on, like, how young they are, that they did Because, like, when we were growing up, like, that was... Like, for people don't remember, like, Snoop Dogg and, like, like Puff Daddy and all them, like, when they were all, like, associated and, like, B.I.G. got murdered and Tupac got murdered and all that stuff, like, what all that was going on, like, Puff Daddy became P. Diddy because the Puff Daddy name was, like, so fucking yeah. destroyed yeah. because of, like, court issues, like, because of and these the kind fucking, of things. And the, the J.Lo shit with Diddy, like, that, he had a lot going on there, like, firing off guns at the club and shit, man. Like, yeah, dude, rebrand. Yeah, exactly. And Snoop Dogg just, like, <laughs> just, like, finessed the whole thing. Like, he, like, he he had to go to court, like, like the rest of them. Like, he was, he was, um, you know, suspected of being associated with murder. And, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, he was found not guilty. But people, like, yeah, people now just, it, oh, it's good old Snoop Dogg, you know, but it's like, you know, the something we're doing in like the 90s was pretty, like, I don't know if Snoop Dogg ever pulled the trigger, and I'm not accusing him of anything, but I think that there was a lot of shit going down in the 1990s, uh, as we know from like the Biggie death and the Tupac death and all that stuff, where people, like, people murdered other people, and like, there was just no, just no one got caught, you know, like, like shit like yeah. that happened in the 90s, which is crazy as fuck to think about now. But who knows what yeah, these guys like are Everyone's about. uncle. He's like everyone's uncle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Like, you can always turn yourself around. Like, oh, yeah. You know, I talked about, about Greg Hardy last week and stuff, too. Like, you know, different situations, obviously. But there is definitely something to, like, Snoop Dogg. Like, regardless of whatever he may have been. I'm not I'm not saying, like, murdering people is okay. I'm not. And I'm not. But there, there he wasn't he wasn't convicted of murdering anyone. So I have to assume he didn't. But Be it's sorry. funny. Right, but it's one of these things where I'm like, like, okay, he was involved in that kind of life where he was being accused of these things, being associated with people who were involved in this stuff. Um, and now, you know, it's been, you know, 20 years, 30 years since all that. And he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, it's like a family-friendly brand. It's like, it's like funny that Snoop Dogg is like just out there smoking weed. Like nobody cares. Nobody, he, yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> you know? Um, it was wild though. This just reminded me, and this is totally off topic, but this is just, just, just kind of to my point about like how, how much shit has changed. Like I randomly came across an old Tom, it wasn't the Tom Green show from MTV, but it was a Tom Green's old podcast that he used to do. Um, and it was from like the early two thousands. It was like this web show that he did. And and I've heard Joe Rogan talk about that being one of the shows that like really inspired him uh, to do the JRE show. That <clears throat> that along with Anthony Cumi is live at the compound, and and uh, and Tom Green is there with Carson Daly, um, and Carson Daly is now 
you know, at one point he was known as like the MTV, the TRL guy, but now he's like, I don't know what shows, but he's like a fucking, like, he's like a mainstream, like major celebrity night TV guy or whatever. Right. Like he's like crossing daily is like a household name fucking guy. And he's like clean cut and all this stuff. I was watching this show. It was a Tom Green show. Carson Daly's on there and Steve-O's there. And the whole interview, Steve-O is fucking sucking up those nitrous tanks. Oh, like, yeah. And yeah. and they're both just kind of like laughing and talking with him. And he is, Steve-O is fucked up out of his fucking mind. Like, and, and I'm sure you remember that era where I they do. did the documentary yeah. on him and all that. So. Yep. And so, and that's what he's sitting there changing the carts out and fucking just huffing them. And, and Carson Daly and Tom Green are just like, just like, it's like, it's like, it it looked like two guys watching a clown. Like, I guess Steve-O literally was a clown. Like he went to clown college and everything. But, but the point is, it was like, they didn't give a fuck what happened to this guy. Like this guy was killing himself right in front of him. And like, they were like getting content out of it. And like, and, and the point, the point of all this is back then people just like turned a blind eye to a lot of shit. It was just like, well, that's just fucking wacky Steve-O, you know, we don't care that he's doing drugs and like ruining his life. That's what he, he's here to hurt ourselves, to hurt himself for us, you know? And Carson Daly is just like, oh yeah, fuck this guy. Like, yeah, keep, <laughs> keep, keep killing, keep killing yourself in front of us. But the point is that same guy, Carson, I bet you anything and, and the internet's the internet so you can find anything, but I bet you he's done everything he can to like dissociate himself from like that kind of guy. Like, I feel like now if like Carson Daly were to see someone doing nitrous in front of him, he'd like intervene and like, yeah, or yeah. Or like, you know what I mean? I don't think they'd be like encouraging this kind of shit, you know? And so the point, the point I guess I'm trying to make is back in the nineties, a lot of people, a a lot of people got away with a lot of shit. Um, and a lot of people either didn't care or there wasn't documentation, but now in 2020, a lot of those same people have totally fucking changed as human beings. So we, we have to keep that in mind when it comes to a lot of stuff where, you know, a lot of people didn't said a lot of stupid shit in the past, but that doesn't mean you can't fucking grow from it and be a better person and, and, and stop doing a lot of that shit either. For fuck's sake, Steve-O has been sober for like a decade. That's right. I mean, who would ever thought, you know? Waiting, uh, intense, ant- anticipated for Jackass 4. It's been filming. I saw that Johnny Knoxville and Steve-O got hurt. I guess they were <laughs> they ran on to like a treadmill on full blast while having a tuba on them. Yeah, uh, that's just... I need yeah. footage of that because that's just stupid. Yeah, I mean, we can have a whole a whole show about my thoughts on... On Jackass. The Jackass crew and... <laughs> Well, let's dive yeah. back in the fucking week. Rob Font, we almost had a really good segue into Greg Hardy out of that Rob Font win. Um, I'm going to say we did. Moving to Greg Hardy, losing the first time he's ever been finished uh, to Marcin Tibera, second round. Uh, basically just, you know, covered up, got punched out. I mean, ref stepped in. Um, where do you stand on Greg Hardy after this fight? Well... Greg Hardy beat the hell out of him in the first round. And, and the, the one thing that I'll say about that is, I don't know. I mean, I guess two things. One was how the hell didn't Greg Hardy finish him? He had him up against the cage, just landing 
shots, unprotected, just heavy blows to the head. But then the flip side of that is Marcin Tybura is tough as hell. This guy has been really good lately, and he he fucking had the chin to to withstand it. So withstand good it, on yeah. him. And then the second round, we found out that Greg Hardy has no ground game. I mean, it's that was abysmal. Like, I I'm very impressed with where Hardy's athleticism is and where where Hardy's um. Like his striking is better than it probably should be, considering how how short how his short, career yeah. is, has been. But when you go to the ground, and, and his cardio still just isn't there. Like as athletic as he is, he gets gassed out way too early in fights. And um, and yeah, th- by the way, this is nothing. Like Tabora is just a better fighter. Like that's, oh, sure. that's right. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, Tabora is just a better fighter. Um, and he won million percent deserves all the credit in the world for this win. But I think a lot of the win came from the fact that Tybura kind of let Hardy gas himself out and then was really smart, got him to the ground. And we found out there, like, Tybura, I'd have to rewatch it, but I think Tybura was in, like, like full guard or half guard or something. Like, he, he didn't really advance position, like, at all on Hardy on the ground. He didn't really, he just got him down and, and basically, like, grapevined his leg and, and, like, held him down and just punched him in the face Punch, until... Yeah. And Hardy just had no... Nothing. He had no advantage. It was just he covered the head up and laid there. That was it. Yeah, just no defense. I mean, with a guy a guy who should have kind of the, the fast twitch explosive movement and stuff that, that most NFL players are known for, um, you'd think that he'd be really good about like exploding off the ground, like, like, like practicing that a lot. Like you get to the ground and then like you get up as fast as you can. And this is how to do it without getting choked out kind of stuff. And, and he just didn't have any of that. I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty fucking eye opening to be honest, because Hardy's someone that I've defended quite a bit lately, as far as like his talent, all the, all the off the field and outside of the cage type stuff. There's there is there's some sort of personality disconnect with him, but in, in the rest of the world, I think, because he's done these things right where he's done. He has he has the issues that everyone knows about with like the domestic stuff that got that all got handled out of court. So who knows for sure what really went on with all that. But he has that reputation coming into the company. And then his first fight, he it's a DQ. I'm going to have to pull his record up so I don't misspeak here. But I think his first fight was a DQ where he needs someone or whatever, and it was illegal. Um, let me find this real quick. Yes, yeah, so, so Alan Crowder, illegal knee. So then everyone's like, well, fuck this guy even more. Like, we already didn't like him, and I was out here fucking throwing illegal shots. So this is just a constant uphill battle. And then he winds up, you know, looking pretty good against Smolkalov and Juan Adams. And then he does the inhaler thing against Ben Sosley. And everyone, again, is like, what the fuck, dude? Like, we're giving you all these chances. Now you're out here breaking the rules, taking – like, you have to know. And if you don't know, like, your corner – so you all know you can't be using an inhaler in between rounds. Like, come on. And, and he did that anyways. And then it's like, okay. And then he goes out there. And this is where I start really defending him. He goes out there and goes three rounds with Alexander Volkov. And we're all like, holy shit, like, he got his ass kicked pretty good, but, like, he went fucking three rounds with one of the best guys in the world. Like, that's pretty fucking impressive. And then his next two wins, the Castro and Morris Green. 
both impressive wins. I mean, against two guys that, that people probably favored over him, especially Mo Green. So, so I was really getting on more of like the defending him, like, hey, I can kind of overlook the domestic stuff and the uh, and the inhaler and the illegal knee and all these things. But then this fight happens, and I don't know if this is a fact or not, but I heard that he was joking about being 20 pounds over going into this fight. Like, not over the weight limit, because obviously he was under the heavyweight limit, but he was, like, 20 pounds heavier than, like, what his, like, targeted weight for the fight was going to be. And it's like, if you're actually out there, if this is true, and he's out there joking about that, it's like, what's, what are you, it's like the mentality of a child. You know, you're like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, like, you know, there's already all this heat on you, and now you're going to say this too? Like, why? And then you go out there and you get beat up. I mean, you look good in the first round, like I said, but then you you show that you have no ground game, meaning any of your opponents going forward, as long as they just take you down, you're done. And if that's your skill level, you probably shouldn't be fighting in the UFC. And, and, I, and I had been defending him because he had looked good enough where I'm like, you know what, I think I can look past all this other stuff. And, and he's, he's worthy of being in the UFC. But if that's your ground game, like, I might be changing my mind about that. And Tybur is a fucking good fighter. He's won his last four fights in a row. Uh, one of those wins was over Ben Rothwell. A lot of, I mean, he's looking fucking great. But he didn't do anything to him on the ground. Like, like any anybody at the heavyweight division to, that can get Hardy on the ground could do that to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Easily. And that's, that's not good. That that's And I'm not going to compare him to CM Punk because I think he's a way better fighter than CM Punk. But it's the same kind of thing. Like, that's why you can't have CM Punk fight people. It isn't just the inexperience. It's like the the second he gets taken down, it's fucking over. And he also doesn't have a stand-up in, in his case. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, like, you have to – you know what I mean? You can't you – can't, it's like you're good enough to beat certain guys, but like now that this has been exposed, I feel like there's what's going to stop everyone else from just doing that to him. I guess the the, the big question is, can Hardy learn the ground game before his next fight uh, to some degree mm. to where he can at least get off the ground? But I don't know. But but fucking Tybura, all the credit in the world to him. But Greg Hardy really, I mean, terrible on the ground. This, yeah, without a doubt, I, I've been hard on him. I've said some really not great things about Greg Hardy, but the I, I I learned I thought I had learned that he there was something to him in that loss to Volkov. Uh, no, this is this tells me you know I would not be shocked. Maybe if the UFC tries to protect him and put him in there with someone that is known for throwing only, but it just seems like such a such a gaping hole. If you eat a couple of those those Greg Hardy spam cans, and you know like I just got to get this guy down and it's over. That's pretty pretty hard not to uh, to act on that. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think he's going to be, I think he'll get at least one more UFC fight either way. I think they'll give him another chance. He does. It's kind of, it's not really the necessarily the kind of heat you want in, in, it's almost like what you'd call in wrestling X-Pac heat where you want to, which I think is bullshit by the way, because I like X-Pac. I don't like the fact that, I don't like the fact that that whole term is based off of hmm. him. Um, I think there's much, much, much worse wrestlers out there in history than, uh, other than X-Pac. Um, For sure. But, um, 
but the term being X-Pac Heat, meaning when you see Greg Hardy, you want to change the channel, um, a lot of people, but there are a lot of people that tune in specifically because they want to see him get his ass kicked. Right. And then there's, but then there's also the, the, the NFL fans that tune in because, you know, he was a Pro Bowl NFL player and they want to see him compete and stuff like that. And he does have fans from his days with the Cowboys and stuff still, whether, yep. you know, I mean, so, and, and, he, and he, unlike CM Punk, once again, I hate always using him as the example for these kind of things, but it's just the best example. Like, Hardy definitely deserves it more than than Punk did. Like as far as like merit, like he's gone yes. in there and had some good fights, got some good wins. Um, it isn't a complete sideshow type thing, you know. No, it, it, there was there's glimpses there. I just think this is such this is a big letdown. Um, the the opposite of where he was, he should have been after the Volkov loss. Uh, but yeah, Tiberia tough as nails. Gets the dub. Um, the main event of the prelims is a fight we both were excited about. Showtime Pettis back in action, getting the unanimous decision win over Alex Morano. Um, man, Showtime in and out. You know his last fight, the win over Cowboy. Now this one, two in a row uh, for a guy that man. There was that you know, year, a little over a year stretch, two year stretch where man, it just felt like you know Showtime is young and talented and as successful as he's been. There were times even I was like, man, what's going on? But uh, ends 2020 with a, with a nice win. Yeah, I mean, Pettis, I was feeling like that a lot about him, even though he was losing to really good guys. Like, he went on that stretch where he lost to RDA, Alvarez, and Barbosa three in a row. Lost to Holloway, no shame in that. Lost to Poirier, no shame in that. Lost to Ferguson, no shame. Nate Diaz, no shame. Um, and, and, you know, we talked about him knocking out Wonder Boy. I thought that really revitalized him a lot, uh, with that knockout win. And this year, yeah, beat Cowboy Cerrone, uh, convincingly. And in the Murano fight, what was pretty wild about this was at the beginning of the fight, um, Pettis threw like a, like a switch kick or something like that, where he, I, I believe he left he left his feet completely. Like, he threw one leg up, then immediately threw the other leg up. And Murano, like, countered it and got Pettis onto the ground really fast and almost had him in a rear naked choke a couple times and was looking really good on the ground. Like, Murano, in my opinion, definitely won the first round. And then Pettis really got it going in the second, really looked good in the third also, and definitely won this fight uh, two rounds to one, in my opinion. And that's what the judges, um, you know, said as well. So it was a good, um, it was a really good uh, matchup, and it was a really good win for Pettis. And yeah, there's not a whole lot more I can say about it. Like Morano looked good. I, I think he's definitely gonna. He's got a bright future. And uh, Pettis proved that he's still. I'm not necessarily gonna say like in the title mix right now at Walter Waite because it's so stacked at the moment but he's kind of just right outside of that and he can still have a lot of entertaining fights against a lot of really uh you know big names and up-and-comers so it's still a lot of bright future for Anthony Pettis going forward no yeah still uh, so much talent there he's, he's already achieved so much um we were talking not long ago about uh his, his win over uh, Hint, uh Bindo Benson Henderson in the um that fight in Milwaukee uh, where he won the title. And that was just such a moment I'm always going to uh, always think about for Showtime. So I'm always happy to see him get the win. 
ends the year again, man. Uh, you know, ending it out with with the dubs always nice. Two in a row now for Showtime. Um, anything else, man, on the on the prelims that really stuck out to you outside of the Showtime dub? Um, I think that Gonzad and uh, Eubanks was good. I think that Darren Wynn, I mean, I talked about him a lot on the last show. He really needed to, no pun intended, he needed to win this fight uh, really badly. And he got the win there. Um, I don't know how many times I could say the word win. Uh, he, and, you know, he had win. a lot of hype. Win. He had a lot of hype uh, coming into the UFC. Uh, he fought on that Liddell versus uh cheeto three show and everyone calls him mini daniel cormier and stuff and he really needed that win um so i'd say that'd be the main stuff that i'd I'd highlight there big win for win and good fight between kinzad and eubanks <laughs> good stuff man uh solid card oh uh, and sorry it also uh flick with the flying triangle show. i was gonna I, say I, I god i can't forget that that was sick our final performance of the night right there, 50K, and he deserved it. That was a gift that was popping off. Um, yeah, man, exciting stuff. A lot of decisions, but some good fights, some good moments, and and a solid card to end the year with, man. Um, I know we're going to be back next week with some best of stuff, but um, our last show of the year to really kind of run through. Uh, man, I've had a blast. I'm excited to do some, some stuff next year and keep this going and maybe uh, – maybe maybe hopefully get to a show together and do some content there if we can yeah dude 100 percent. we got some good stuff coming up this year we'll try to do some more stuff in person that'd be fucking awesome and like mose was saying yeah next week we're gonna do like a kind of like a best of awards type show like best fighter of the year fight of the year you know all this kind of stuff maybe like submission or knockout or whatever we'll come up with some categories and we're just gonna kind of kick back talk about the year go through some awards and uh, it'll be chill next week, but it should be a lot of fun. So, um, so yeah, Mose, let everyone know where they can find you and uh, we'll see y'all next week. Yeah. Throw me a follow at Mose KOBK. Everyone have good times, good holidays and yeah, uh, fired up to, uh, to have some, some seltzers next week and talk about some best ofs, bro. Hell yeah, man. I'll drink some white claw. Have a good time. If you want to follow me on Twitter, y'all can follow me on uh at fight talk underscore f-i-g-h-t-t-a-l-k underscore do the fightful select weekender podcast every weekend talking independent wrestling and i talked quite a bit about a show that mose was involved in action wrestling is bangers only that was my recommended show to watch this week on iwtv you can listen to that and you can listen to uh, me talk about a whole bunch of different stuff over there at fightful that's fightfulselect.com check out the weekender podcast along with all the other great stuff like Alex Pulaski's Sour Graps and all the news that Sean Ross Sapp breaks and Jimmy Van and all those guys. Great stuff over there. All Things MMA for more MMA content. If you like uh, this podcast, you'll probably love those videos. Uh, a lot of lists, videos, and you know, best of the UFC type stuff and whatnot over there at All Things MMA. I edit a lot of the videos and I write some of the, the scripts as well. So Check that out. Uh, me and Jesse will be doing another live chat probably tomorrow, uh, which will be uh, Tuesday. Uh, for those of you listening today, that'll be uh, talking probably a lot about WWE TLC, and that'll be on Jesse's YouTube channel, J-E-S-S-I-D-A-V-I-N, if you want to watch live and be a part of the chat. And if you got to catch it later, it'll be uploaded to the same Fight Talk podcast feed you're listening to right now. Make sure to subscribe and give us good ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. And I'll make sure to update everything that I do over on Twitter. So uh, that's everything I've got. And we will see y'all next week on the award show talking some more mixed martial arts.